It's been a rough year, but we have uh, finally made it to our last Sunday of 2020. Can you believe it? Did you, was there a time in the year that you thought we might not make it to this Sunday, the very last Sunday of the year? You know, while you're sitting there, why don't you look at someone next to you and just give them a little air fist bump, uh, just like this, just a little air fist bump. <laughs> I love that. But we finally made it uh, to the last Sunday uh, of 2020, and uh, what a year it's been. And, and as I was kind of thinking about this sermon, and I was thinking back to this Sunday in 2019, the last Sunday of 2019, can you remember that day? Maybe not the last Sunday of 2019, but maybe you can remember back to the last week of 2019. You know, with the end of the year and the start of a new year comes lots of dreams and hopes for the new year and reflection on the year that we just finished. Now, when I think about what I thought about coming in 2020, at the end of 2019, you know, I kind of struggled to remember exactly what I thought, but I can tell you this, I didn't expect what we got, uh, that's for sure. I didn't project what came uh, to actually be. It's not what I expected. 2020 has been very different. You know, I went back and looked. You know, at the end of a year, there always comes podcasts, blogs, video blogs, uh, radio broadcasts, news stories of people uh, thinking about the new year. And I went back and looked up some of those. And I want you to hear this. Uh, on a blog site called Medium, one man named Scott wrote a blog titled, Dear 2020, A Letter of Hope for the New Year. This was written in 2019, one of the last couple of weeks. And you know, I seem to have seen more of these in 2019, looking forward to 2020, because of the phrase 2020 vision. You know, that was the trendy thing at the end of 2019, was 2020 vision and looking forward to 2020. And so I saw a lot of people who were trying to get their ducks in a row and reprioritize and Get things right. And this guy, he wrote a letter of hope for the new year. And he started the blog like this. Just listen. It's kind of comical because it's also kind of sad just thinking about what did come. It says, Dear 2020, welcome to the world. We've been anxiously awaiting uh, you to see what you'll bring. You have all your life before you. Here's what we're hoping you can do. This is talking about 2020. Your predecessor, 2019, was okay, but we're not sorry to see him go. Listen to what he said about 2019. He threw a lot of trials at us that drove many past their breaking points. We hope you will be better. He goes on to say, show us what it means to be human again. Kindness and empathy got a little lost in 2019. We don't blame him, but something is wrong. Show us what it means to be human again. How we should treat each other. Show us we are all the same no matter what color we might be or where we live. Teach us how to live by the golden rule again. And listen to this. He wrote, We spent too much time in 2019 looking for ways to disagree with each other. Help us remember that there can be more than one right way to do something and that it doesn't help anyone if we insist on our way. Now someone in 2019 writing that as a hope or a wish for 2020. And another blog post, an article written two weeks ago, 
at the end of 2020. So fast forwarding a year from that one. This is someone else that wrote, Dear 2020, when we ushered you in on January 1st, we were filled with hope, gladness, and excitement. Looking forward to 2020. Wow. Our expectations, our hopes, our dreams don't always go exactly the way we, we hope that they will. And did you feel that way at the end of 2019? Full of excitement, hope. Did you feel that way? Because the end of the year bring, brings lots of reflection of what you're leaving behind and what you're stepping into. And we come to this place. We come to this very place where we were a year ago, looking forward to 2021, looking forward to uh, what many see as a blank canvas of a new year with hopes and dreams. And I kind of feel like the 10 spies in Numbers chapter 13. So I want you to get your Bible out, turn to Numbers chapter 13 and 14. That's where we're going to be this entire lesson in Numbers 13 and 14. That's the fourth book of the Old Testament. So go ahead and turn there. I want to catch you up a little bit as we get ready to talk about this lesson. Because I do feel like, for many of us, throughout this year, we've been right in there with the ten spies. And we'll get there in just a minute. So if you go back to Genesis and Exodus, we find that where we're at, Moses has gone in and rescued the people of Egypt. The Israelites who were enslaved in Egypt. God's people were enslaved. And Moses was chosen as the leader to go in and bring them out of Egypt and into the promised land. And he does just that. And after he goes in and he, and he gets them out, and, the, and God sends these plagues upon the people of Egypt to show his power and his control. And then they come out of Egypt and they get to the edge of the Red Sea. You remember that story? They get to the Red Sea. And, and you'd expect the people after everything God has done to say, wow, God's got great power. God has been with us the whole time. God's going to get us across the sea. But is that what happened? No, it's not. Instead, the people complained. Did God just bring us out here to, for us to die? Did God bring us out here to die in the wilderness? And then God parts the Red Sea in one of the most amazing stories in the Bible. And they walk across on dry land. The water collapses on the Egyptians and they go across and they're in the wilderness again, trekking towards the promised land. Pretty cool, right? You'd think, okay, that God has shown us his power. He's shown us that he's going to be with us. But what do they do instead? They say, oh, God, we have no water. We have no food. You did you just bring us out here to let us die in the wilderness? They keep on and keep on complaining. But what does God do? Time and time again, God provides food. He provides water. He provides protection. He provides every single one of their needs. Every one of them. And now in our story, we get to the long-awaited place. The promised land. They're on the brink of walking into the promised land. And God has done so many things to show them His protection and His care. And they're standing on the edge of going into the promised land. And, and God says, look, Moses, I want you to send 12 spies, one from each tribe. Send them into the promised land to spy it out and see how things are. And that's where we pick up. 
we get here to chapter 13 and verse 2. It says, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Notice what he says there. I am giving it to the people. Jordan did an awesome job preparing our minds for the Lord's Supper and talking about all those gifts that we just got. You know, gifts are something special when someone gives you something. You don't have to do anything to get it. They just do it out of the goodness of their heart. And God here says, I am giving you this land. I'm going to give it to you. There's no warning about how difficult it's going to be or about all the trials they're going to have to go through to get into the land. God just says, look, I'm going to give it to you. But every single time, the people forget. They forget how big God is, how powerful God is. They forget that He parted the Red Sea, that He provided food and protection. They forget that. And all they see are their big, big problems. That's what they see. God goes on to explain to them to pick these 12, tri- uh, 12 spies, one from each tribe, that He's going to give them and, and bring back a report. He says, go and bring me back a report. And so they go. And to our surprise, they come back with a glowing report of what God had told them was going to be in the land. They come back with a report that the land is flowing with milk and honey and there's fruit. Man, you wouldn't believe the fruit that's there. They come back with that report. They saw all the good. And, and then this is what they say. It flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. That's their good report. It flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. Are you kidding me? God has brought you to the promised land, the place that's flowing with milk and honey that's full of fruit that you've never seen. And all you can say is, it's flowing with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. But look what they really spend their time on. Look at verses 28 through 30, verse chapter 13. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Najib. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country and the Canaanites dwell in the sea and along the Jordan. These Israelites, ten of them, come back and they say, it flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. But their, their cities are strong. Their people are big. They're powerful. That's what they spend their time focusing on. They complain. They complain. And, and this, this land is not just flowing with water. It's flowing with milk and honey. And, it, and the fruit. But all they're able to see is how massive the people are. And all the negative things. Let me ask you something. Can you relate to that? At the end of 2020. Can you relate to that? Because man. I can. I can relate to that. How God has provided. Every single thing I need. But here I am at the end of 2020. And all my mind seems to see. Are all the negative things. That we've gone through. This year. You know 2020 vision is an interesting phrase. And you know what it means. is It's a medical term. Person with 2020 vision can see what an average person can see from 20 feet. 2020 vision. I would argue that while 2020 didn't go as planned, 
that it revealed quite a bit to us. That it helped us step a little closer to having 2020 vision. So dear 2020, you have helped me see that my mind focuses too much on negative things. Thank you, 2020. Did you know that negative thinking actually impacts your health? It doesn't just impact your mental health. I mean, it does. It causes depression, anxiety, and and lots of other mental mood disorders and things like that. But did you know that negative thinking actually impacts your physical health? Doctors have found that people with high levels of negativity are more likely to have heart problems, digestive issues, weaker immune system, and less ability to recover from sickness. And even some brain diseases are more likely in people who have negative thinking. Negative thinking has a huge impact on our body. And and 2020 has cleared my vision to see that we focus too much on those negative things. Here's a couple of different types of negative thinking. And let's see if any of you fit in these types. Uh, One is called filtering. Where you magnify the negative things and minimize the positive things. You filter out all all the positive and all you're able to see is the negative. Does that describe you? Because I kind of find myself in all of these, I promise. Personalizing. When something bad happens, you assume it's about you. You know, maybe something comes up, you're supposed to go out to dinner with one of your friends, and they call, and something came up for them, so they call and cancel it, and immediately you're like, ah, they must not have wanted to spend time with me. They must not want to go out to eat with me. I must not be a fun person. Uh, They must not like me and my family. Maybe they just didn't want to be with me. Personalizing. Catastrophizing. You automatically anticipate the worst. No matter what the evidence shows or what's actually happening in reality, you anticipate that whatever the worst possible scenario is, that's what's going to happen. Maybe that's you. Or polarizing. Everything is either good or bad. Nothing's in the middle. You know, it's either really good or it's really bad. Polarizing. I do that sometimes. And there are lots of types of negative thinking. Where do you find yourself? And do you find yourself focusing too much on those negative things than on the positive? These are pretty common forms. And I guarantee that you find yourself in one of them. There are even more forms of negative thinking. These are just a couple that I'm focusing on today. And some people's personality tends to be more pessimistic. Maybe you're like, well, that's just who I am. That's just natural for me. And, and I understand that. Some people are more prone to think negatively. But we have to find ways to prevent ourselves from staying in this pattern and, and allowing it to affect our body. It will affect your ability to be a witness for God. Your negative thinking can affect your ability to be a witness for God, and to make an impact on the lives of the people that you come into contact with every single day. And these Israelites, they were catastrophizing every single thing that happened to them as they marched to the promised land. They filtered out the positive parts of the land, and all they saw were the giants and the walls. You see that? They anticipate the worst by expecting they will not live if they even 
attempt to go into the promised land. But in the midst of these Israelite spies, there was a man named Caleb. Look at verse 30. Look how Caleb responds to this negativity. But Caleb, why did the people before Moses almost see him standing in front of him and just doing like this? And he says, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we will, are well able to overcome it. A light in the darkness of the Israelites. A light that decided to step up and, and be different. And not just think negative like everyone else, but to think positive and see that God has given them this land and that they can overcome it. And they did not listen to Him. Can you believe that? No surprise there, right? These negative thinkers, they didn't listen to the positive guy. They didn't listen to him because he was uh, thinking, their negative thinking was just too loud. They believe, verse 31, they are stronger than we are. Verse 32, the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are a great height. Look at verse 33. And there we saw the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Nobody listened to Caleb, and they cried out because of it. If you look in chapter 14, verses, the first few verses, verses 2 and 3. Look at verses 2 and 3. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to just go back to Egypt? To just go be enslaved again? That's what they want? It would be better for us to just go back to Egypt and they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back. Nobody listened to Caleb. Can you imagine hearing this from God's perspective? After all He has done for them, and bringing them to the brink of the promised land, and all they say is, guys, Moses is not our leader, let's pick somebody else, let's go back to Egypt. It's better for us to be enslaved there. And this ain't the first time they've said it either. Can you imagine the slap in the face this is for God? Is this the kind of thing that God hears from us every single day? Even though He's provided so many things for us, yet we still stand there and doubt Him? And don't have faith that He can bring us through something? What negative thinking are you buying into that you need to get rid of ASAP? Don't give in to the negative thinking and the negative posts on social media. Don't do it. The negative conspiracy theories that encourage people to spread lies and misinformation, don't give in to that negative stuff. Don't give in to the thought that this pandemic is going to ruin the church and cripple our ability to share the gospel. Don't give in to that negative thinking. Don't give in to the thinking that everything that's happened this year was bad. Or that you are bad. And you're not good enough. Don't give in to that negative thinking. Don't let yourself do it. When you allow this type of thinking to get in your mind, you, you hinder your ability to be a light for the gospel. It's not the things that are happening around you that's holding you back. It's you that's holding you back. When you allow this type of thinking to totally overtake you. It's us. It's me that's holding myself back. When I sit and dwell about all those negative things, it's me. Don't let fear or negativity determine your outlook. 
Let God determine your outlook on every situation that you're in. Not the situation. And look at chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. You have Caleb, Moses, Aaron, and Joshua. They, they have fought for God. Look at verses 7 through 9. They said, the land which we pass through to spy it out, is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Do not fear them. And, and Joshua and Caleb and Moses and Aaron, they, they stand up and they say this great thing, those people are bred for us. Their protections are removed. We have God. And look at verse 10 how they're treated. They're treated excellently. You'll see in verse 10. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. That's what they get for being positive thinkers. In the midst of all the negativity. Stone them with stones. Pretty short part of the verse. But pretty big. Stone them with stones. Sometimes when we choose to be different and we choose to be positive in the middle of a bunch of negativity, we look like the, the bad guys for being positive. Sometimes it happens like that. I wish it didn't, but it does. And when we're reading through this, these verses, it's what happens. And it seems so Silly for us on the outside knowing the end of this story and how God does bring them into the promised land. It seems so silly that they wouldn't just jump in and be all in with Joshua and Caleb and Moses and Aaron, but, but they get beat up by the negativity that surrounds them. Sometimes I feel beat up by the negativity that surrounds me. Sometimes if we're surrounded by negative people, we get beat up by their negativity. And I imagine Joshua and Caleb felt the same. We find ourselves sometimes in the wilderness all alone as positive thinkers. And Joshua and Caleb did. But they found favor in God because of it. In the midst of this movement to stone them, look at verse 10. In the midst of this movement to stone them, we also have the turning point in the entire story. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. So this is the turning point is God's presence. In the midst of all that negativity and Joshua and Caleb, them going out and wanting to stone them, in the midst of that, God shows up. And that's the turning point in the story. Because God is there. Moses bargains with God. He bargains with him. And God actually listens over the next chapter. Moses says, don't wipe them out. And, and God wanted to, to wipe them out in an instant, but he, he chose not to. Because Moses bargained with him. But, but they didn't get off easy. God's judgment is passed on the people. And as we go forward, he says, uh, you're going to spend one year in the wilderness for every day that the spies were spying out the land. Forty days. You're going to spend in the wilderness forty years. Because you gave in to their negative thinking and didn't see that I was bigger than all of that that you were afraid of. Verses 28 through 32 in chapter 14. 
It says, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, when you have said in my hearing, I will do to you, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness and all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and up who have grumbled against me. Not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones and you, who you said would become prey, I will bring them in and they shall know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness. God's judgment is prevalent. And then you jump down to verses 36 through 38. And the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land who returned and made all the congregation grumble against him by bringing up a bad report about the land, the men who brought up a bad report of the land died by plague before the Lord. Those ten negative thinkers who led everyone astray, they died by a plague. Verse 38 of those men who went to spy out the land, only Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive. They were literally killed by their negative thinking. And you know, this isn't just a this isn't just a charge that was given to Joshua and Caleb to be positive in the midst of negativity. It's a message to us. If you turn to Matthew chapter five, this is teaching that Jesus taught when he says you are the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden he says that in matthew chapter 5 verses 14 through 16 and he says in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven that's not a charge to joshua and caleb to Moses and Aaron, to the ten spies, that's a charge to you. And when we go about town or go about work and all we spew is negativity, we ruin our light. Our light is hidden because all we see is negative. But when you pull that top off and allow yourself to be a positive thinker in the midst of all of that negativity, that's when your light shines. That's when you become different than everyone else. That's when you're different than those people who you're around. And so here we are at the end of 2020. And I say, dear 2020, thank you for showing us that God works in the midst of disaster, calamity, and unrest. That God is overall, even when we are hurting and struggling ourselves, Thank you for revealing our priorities and helping us to see God more than ever. And when I look into 2021, I say this, dear 2021, may we be driven by faith. May we be driven by faith in a God that's always there, no matter what's going on. And this morning, I wonder if some, some people here have been caught up in that negative thinking. And you've allowed your faith to be hindered because of it. Your witness has been hindered because of it. And you need to put that negativity away and go back to God. And I also wonder if, if some are here and are ready to, to do the most positive thing you can do and enter into the blood of Christ 
enter into a deeper relationship with Him. And allow His light to shine in you in the middle of a dark, dark world by being baptized into Christ. If you have any need, please come forward as we stand and sing.